Welcome to the 405 Film Podcast with Picture House Central, where we're discussing Sean Dance. What is Sean Dance? Well, Sean went to Sundance, you idiots! Welcome to the 405 Film Podcast with Sean Melton and Adam the Benati Roach. We're back. Well, I'm back. Did you notice I was gone? Sure did. Who are you? Ah, anyway. <laughs> I wrote really good scripts, don't I? Didn't this you is miss this? Not a script. Anyway, so Sean Melton, as I said in the intro, we're dedicating a whole miniature episode to you so people can get back into the groove. They can start listening to us again. Get into the groove. Mm-hmm. Boy, you've got to choose something, something. Me. Yeah. That's how it ends. That's like that's, totally. that's, that's like karaoke. That's basically how it is. So yeah, as I said in the intro before we played Alien Ant Farm, what a fucking tune. Good song, good song. We are doing a special 15 minute or whatever episode, could be 20 minutes, of Sundance. Because you went to Sundance, didn't you? Yes, I did. Shocker. That's so... Yeah, amazing. And I realized a two days in that... Sharn dance sounded really great. It was a good hashtag. And then someone asked me, where's a where's a gif of you dancing? And I never did it. I'm sorry. I think someone named Rob asked me. Why was that not done? Because I, for- like I forgot. There was I did definitely I did a waffle dance, but it never got recorded. What's a waffle dance? Well I had a waffle and I was happy, so I danced about it. Well we seem to be waffling on here. Get it. <laughs> Get it. So <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna work. It's gonna be a lot of you talking and me being investigative journalism investigative journalism wow so you know that long form stuff that you read on the toilet I'm gonna be prodding and probing and getting the best poke, responses poke, 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 poke. from you so Sean Mountain yes Sean Aceous I'm ready deal with it get going welcome to Sean Dance yeah go on I thought you were going to pause it there. Fuck so off, no. Just keep, come on. Okay. Just thinking for like editing purposes anyway. I went to Sundance. It was really cool. Yay. Um, this is my eighth year going. Hey, you just took my first question. It's kind of been... Whoops. It's the longest I've ever done anything consecutively in my life. Like eight years is a long time. A job? If you no no people young people don't have jobs for that long Family? anymore. Family, that's that's something you've done. Well, but that's not by choice. Another really Whoa, good band right okay. there. Well, you're born into your family. I've also like I haven't had a relationship that long. Like this just it's a it's a cool thing to go to something for eight years in a row. That's very cool. Yeah, I was just a little a little baby, 21, 20, 22. 22. What, what's thirty one minus eight? I don't know. Twenty three. No, I think I was 22. In any there you case, go, then. What, you're 30. You're 30 now, so yeah, you're just fucking up all over the place. Yeah, I can't math. Let's talk. Let's talk about let's less talk about how old you are, and let's talk about movies. So, how many did you see? Um, I saw 22. How many of those were narrative films? 12. And using the power of mathematics, how many Ooh, of those were docs? Uh, 10 were documentaries. How many of them were not directed by the better gender? Um, well, 14 were directed by women, which is my highest percentage yet, and I can't math in reverse. And is it the first year that there was VR, or...? No. Because you've got that you saw one VR film. I did. I actually saw a VR short. Um, 
Sundance has been at the forefront of VR. They actually had a, a VR um, project in 2012 that was Oculus before it was Oculus. It was an artist who hired these kids to make her a little virtual reality world and what they the prototype they had developed with her turned into Oculus later. So mm. Sundance can actually say they birthed Oculus. I'm not sure if they do. You should. They should. Um, but ever since, Oculus has had a big... Um, a big uh, presence at the festival and this year they had their entire own building on top of that there's a segment of Sundance called New Frontier which um, which shows both on screen and in a venue um, just art not mm. necessarily film but art that pushes boundaries and for the last couple Innovative of years art. it's been yeah it's but it's been primarily VR it's shifted from for a while it was things that you didn't actually need to put on a helmet to experience you could it would be like interactive art or um, like kind of digital projects, but almost exclusively now, I'd say it's a lot of VR. There was VR this year where you could um, live the life of a tree in the rainforest in seven minutes. Apparently, it made people cry. Um, I didn't get to do it though. I saw a full VR bodysuit. Um, not sure what that was about. What was going on in there? Did you not know? Um, no, they the lines for that fill up pretty quickly, and they've uh, they split up into some ticketed things, some free. But the Oculus building was a little more chill, so I got to watch a short film there. That's quite cool. Yeah. So you'd recommend going regardless, like if because you went as a volunteer. Yeah. So I went, before we get into the movies and such, you'd recommend I, going. Yeah, I Sundance is my favorite festival. I've worked with them in varying capacities as staff, as volunteer staff, as institute staff in various levels, and um, I've I found a good groove and I work with a great team of people. But my days are free, so I just go to see movies, and it's really fun. And I recommend if you have a chance to ever go. Um, it is very expensive. Not tickets necessarily. It's just staying in this little town. It's the prices of hotels and ski condos just quadruples during the festival. So you've got a plan. It's not like London Film Festival where you can just pop into the city for a day. Like it, it's in Utah, people. It's in the mountains of Salt Lake City. We're probably quite lucky that we live in London, so we yeah. can just pop in. You know, just pop in. Like, yeah, and just I can like imagine the residents of, of Park City, if they either love it or hate it, but I'd feel pretty excited about having Sundance in my backyard once a year. Okay, so you have 22 films. Yeah. Pick your first documentary that you want to talk about, because documentaries are a big thing for you. I know, I love documentaries. Well, I managed to narrow it down to five, and see, I've got them here. I'm really proud of my five. Five out of ten, which was hard, because you know what? All of them were fantastic. I loved all ten of them, just like a mother loves all her children equally, but... Probably not the case, really, anymore. Some, well, some kids are dipshits. What can you do? Go, okay, so you've cast aside the dipshits, you've put the runts no, of the litter no, outside, of, of, and you've got of these top five. None of my dogs were dipshits. Um, <laughs> no, so the dipshits are over there. Go no, with your first one. Um, your one that's going to go to Harvard... Harvard no. <laughs> College of Police, and um, which one was it? For me, it was actually the last movie I saw at the festival, which was a nice way to end it. It's a documentary Not called cute. Step, mm -hmm. um, directed by Amanda Lippitz. It's her first uh, film, and it was about a group of um, girls from a Baltimore uh, leadership school for women, and um, they had a step team. And step is like, um, I know I know you haven't seen the fits, but step dancing is featured prominently in that narrative film as well. It is um, a kind of dancing that is really popular um, with African-Americans. Um, and it's a lot of uh, stomping and 
and body movements and it's all about your energy and your fierceness and your mm. no one's gonna fuck with you-ness and it is powerful and it's a way to um convey emotion and aggression and all through dance. yeah through dance so it's not like step aerobics then, which um, is no, what it I is def- no, it's definitely up, not. Up, it down, is down, down. It is intense and amazing. This was a documentary of, on the surface, it is about these girls going to a competition. A lot of them are in their final year. They're about to graduate. So this is the last chance they have to win. And they didn't win the year before. So it's, it's very much a, you get to watch them practice, the ups and downs of rehearsals, of trying to make it. But what it is more is a documentary about the power of community and how community and can help education and the idea of it takes a village and the school that was founded in Baltimore these these girls were the the first graduating class and the goal of this school is that every single girl that graduates will go to college mm. and the graduating class all of them are going to college um, but for a lot of their senior year it's um, it's it's hard like some of these girls live in houses where they lose their electricity on the regular or they don't have regular meals and and it's it's just about um family and community and facing that adversity and having it not define you but be mm. something that you work through and in spite of and despite of and it's just it's really powerful but it's also it manages to be fun and not condescending ever it's not like oh these poor black girls we should feel bad for them it's fuck these girls are doesn't awesome. play that card no it, it really Good. doesn't but and it manages to be um i'd say it's definitely on the fun end it doesn't really delve into all of their troubles too much but I think that's the point. I think it's just nice to see a movie from a community where, because Baltimore is where um, the riots were right around the time that started filming and everyone was like, oh, Baltimore is a shitty place. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, it it got a bad reputation and this is kind of just saying no, like there's a lot of great kids and there's a lot of great communities that are in this city. And yeah, it's uh, it's going to be out. Um, Fox Searchlight bought it. So they're going to put it into actual theaters and give it a a proper run. Give it a good push. Yep. And uh, they don't they don't buy docs all the time, so it's no. kind of exciting. Um, and yeah, it should hopefully be coming to theaters soon. Okay, so jumping away from the documentary, that one sounds ridiculously good, by the way. So good, so good. Give us a quick one about one that's in your top five narrative-based films. Um, I'll go with my very favorite first. It was a movie called Band Aid. Um, band Aid as a play on words because it's the word band, like you have a band and aid, like it's helping because this is a movie about a husband and wife who they're at the end of their marriage. It is not going well. They fight all the time. And as a kind of last ditch effort, they decide, what if we formed a band and wrote all of our fights out as songs and performed them as kind of like a weird sort of therapy? They they get their neighbor, who happens to be Fred Armisen, to join their band because every band needs Fred Armisen. I'd happily be living next to Fred Armisen. Yeah. He, uh, he's their drummer. He plays this really creepy dude who's kind of creepy, but also, oh, yeah, he's just so good in everything he pops Fred up. Fred just keeps popping up in yeah. stuff now further back <laughs> than I can remember. Oh, gosh. He was in, um, he's so good in it. He was in this awful Christmas film we watched, Deck the Halls, that had um, Danny DeVito and um, acting oh, sensation shit, he, Matthew Broderick in. He was, you know what? He just keeps showing up. He was kind of a similar-ish character, except he played the drums. Um, and this, 
What, the stars Zoe Lister-Jones, who also wrote, directed, and produced it. And Question, though, is Matthew Broderick in this? No, oh. not, not a one. Not, Come not on, a Matthew, not get a into a Sundance film. Um, but have you seen Frances Ha? You no, not. I haven't seen it. Um, Zoe Lister-Jones is the best friend in Frances Ha, the, the person who's not Greta Gerwig and arguably a better human being than Greta Gerwig's character in that film. And uh, this is her... Her, her debut as a, a director, um, and she wrote all the songs in it. And her counterpart is Adam Polly, who... Um, I, you also don't watch The Mindy Project, do you? No. Um, he's from that. Mindy Kaling rubs me many ways, and most of them are the wrong way. I... I see what but you're that's, saying. But that's a chat for another the show, time. The show is funny, though. I will, I will put that out there. And um, the other thing that I, I quite love about this film, other than that it's, it's funny and a really interesting take on modern relationships, is that... Um, the entire film was crewed by women, and Zoe Lister-Jones made a point of making sure that her crew was all women, which I think is pretty rad. There were some dude producer names I saw, but they don't count because they just gave money. Um, but the the it's list, what men are good for. The list of all the names of like people who were on set. It was just really cool to see every name scroll by at the end credits be a woman's name, and that does not ever happen. And I thought it was really neat. It was very very cool. We're not gonna have time to go into the top five docs and your top five narratives so no. we'll put them when we publish this we'll put it all no, together into Sean's talk about all my babies Sean's what if list. I go what if I go through them really quickly well I think that's kind of like being a bit mean to the ones nearest the bottom well, my, my babies so pick another one from your top five documentaries pick a one that we can kind of people can you know relate to now is there any documentary there that feels rather relatable to today's current climate for example um, Chasing Coral. Okay, why is this important? Chasing Coral is um, an environmental documentary. Um, Climate is, change isn't a thing, though. I know this. It's I, know all, this. It's all made, I know things. It's all made up. Um, and definitely the disappearing corals is all made up, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeff Rolowski, a couple years ago, made a documentary called Chasing Ice, where he worked with a photographer... Not who, about crack. ...who had a project of documenting the glaciers as they were melting because everyone was like oh it's such a gross exaggeration it it grows back like it freezes back it's totally fine and he well but that before when you couldn't see it people just saying the glaciers are disappearing it's a hard thing to conceptualize when so this photographer got the idea to it's put not up, like your fridge constantly freezing well, over it, it doesn't work that way a lot of the argument with things like climate changes you can't like it's harder now because of the storms but it's like it's hard to visualize so with chasing ice he worked with a photographer who set up these cameras that photographed like like um every like you know every day or whatever like one photograph and they were up for months and it actually captured like you could see the disappearance of like miles of ice disappearing Mm. it was really powerful and this is kind of the same concept but it's with the um coral reefs and what's happening with the coral reefs is um they're dying and what happens first is this very um, unique thing called bleaching, and it's something that corals do when the water gets too hot. So it literally is, it's because of global warming and climate change, because the ocean temperatures are rising. And um, I'll throw out one tidbit from the film that I, I never thought of it this way, but the ocean temperatures are rising by like a couple of degrees, which you may think, oh, it's a couple of degrees, no bigs. Our inside body temperature is 98.6. Mm-hmm. If we had 101, we can be in the hospital almost dying. What difference of temperature is that? Like, 
three, like barely two or three, yeah. you can die with a temperature Thanks of for bailing out of, a, out of mass. <laughs> it's just, it's just a few. It's a few. And so the same thing with the ocean. So we can't just toss it away and say, oh, it's only three or four degrees. It's like if a human being can die with a three mm. or four degree difference, why can't the ocean? And it's... It's a really beautiful documentary. Some of the most beautiful cinematography, like all underwater ocean cinematography. It's gorgeous to look at. And the team involved, um, the front-facing team, so not just um, the director's behind-the-scenes team, but he worked, he hired a company. um, So basically there was one man fronting it. He worked at advertising. His idea is, with his advertising background, we need to put a face on this. And so he wanted, he contacted Jeff and said, I saw your other doc. I want to do this with the corals. And they found a company from Colorado that would build these cameras. They needed underwater time-lapse cameras that could also spin, but clean themselves Mm. because they're going to be underwater for months. So it's really dorky and techy because you get to watch them try to build these cameras and the the triumphs and um, tribulations of trying to work with a technology that's never existed before. And one of the kids who works for this um, camera company um, happens to love corals, and his name is Zach, and everyone, including myself, wants to marry him. And <laughs> he's great. He just, uh, he loves corals so much, and it makes me love him. Does he have a coral tattoo? No, but he has his own corals in his basement and tanks that he raises. Oh, good lad. Because yeah. that's the thing, a lot of people don't realize that corals are actually... Right, they're alive! Oh, it's so, living, breathing. Yeah, you, you learn about corals, you get to see it, and I think when people are super excited and you can see their passion, it just makes it like... Oh, because it's an important cause, but you just, you rally behind this crew of people, and it's great. Um, it's, uh, I want to say Netflix picked it up, um... I'm pretty sure Netflix did. Net, uh, Chasing Ice is on Netflix, or at least mm-hmm. it was. So find that on there and watch it in the meantime. And look out for Chasing Coral, because it is... Um, I think it's an important documentary to be watching right now. You just accidentally... Not accidentally, you just fl- moved over to talking about Netflix. Yeah. Um, Netflix and Amazon dominated it this they year, did. didn't they? did. It was streaming services all the way, which is... Not only that, but Netflix also, um, they went in with a bunch of films. So they bought about 10. uh, Amazon bought five. They both had the biggest sales of the festival. But Netflix went in with a couple of like production ones that they had produced. And one of them is the one that won the grand jury prize. Um, I don't want to live alone in this. We don't, I don't want to live alone in this world anymore. A Macon Blair's debut. He's the actor from uh, Blue Ruin. Um, and they, that's theirs. So a Sundance award winner, the grand jury prize for all U.S. narrative is a Netflix film, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. It's interesting and crazy because it's showing the route that these streaming services want to go. They want their films yeah. and they want their TV shows well, awarded. Like Amazon have had their TV shows awarded for a while now, especially Transparent. Amazon so, also has Manchester by the Sea. People forget that because it's in a lot of theaters, but that's a co-presentation. It's Amazon Studios. Yeah, one. and yeah. Manchester by the Sea is Amazon Studios, and so I think Netflix is now thinking, well, Amazon figured it out. They found a good balance there. I think the key is to still have, it needs to have a pretty strong theatrical distribution yeah. scheme. It can't just be a limited release, and so it'll be interesting to see what some of these um, films that Am- that both of them bought this year that could be on the more awardsy end, how they're going to release them. And I think now people are just thinking, oh, Netflix and Amazon, they can pull in awards. So I think they're getting more respect now. Five years ago, I would have laughed and said... Mm- Netflix can't bring anything yeah. to an awards ceremony, and they've proven everyone they've wrong. They've proven everyone wrong, so now the people in Hollywood are getting probably more concerned than ever before. 
Yes. The traditional studios are getting a bit nerves. So talking about traditional yeah. studios, pick another film from your top five narratives that you'd recommend for people to listen Duh. to. Obviously, not listen to, watch. Obviously, every other film within Sean's top five docs and top five's narratives will be in the write-up of this. Yes, right up. And then I'll put a link to Hoxton Radio because I got to chat about them on there and I had... Um, I, they gave me they gave me extra time because I started to ramble, which was really kind of. I gave you far guys. too much time. Um, I got to go through all of them really quickly though, so I'll, I'll put that link up there and I'll put a list to uh, my mini reviews on Letterbox. Duh. <laughs> um, but nar- next narrative, next narrative. Um, you know, I'm gonna go with um, one of my favorite ones that's a little bit um, a little bit different. Um, Columbus. Columbus is a film from a director named um, Kokonanda. Only one name. Very cool. Um, he's known on, apparently he makes like uh, vi- videos on Vimeo of like film analysis. I did not know this. Huh. Um, but this is, I think, his first film. And this is a very, it's a film that really sticks with you. It, on the surface, appears to just be a movie about Columbus, Indiana, which is actually a very beautiful place. Um, a lot of really beautiful architecture in this small town. So much that people will flock there and there'll be there's guided tours everywhere. And so part of the film is just beautiful cinematography and beautiful framing. And it's essentially about um, a guy who has to fly home because his father, who happened to be there, falls ill. And he meets this girl by accident who is there but kind of wanting to leave. So two people who are in Columbus but not necessarily for reasons they want to be, both feeling stuck in different ways, and they become friends. Um, A lot of people have compared it to a little bit like um, Richard Linklater's Sunrise series because they talk a lot. There's Mm. a lot of just talking. But um, for me, what the 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 real me of the film is it's about family and how you're beholden to family, whether you like it or not. And they both kind of teach each other different things about family. Um, John Cho is the guy. Haley Lou Richardson of Edge of Seventeen is the girl. She can carry a film. Holy shit, she is amazing in it. Um, Parker Posey makes a little, um, has a small role in it. Um, is anyone else in there that I... Uh, oh, uh, Rory Culkin is in it too. He's been on. He's been away for one, a bit. One of the Culkins. One of the Culkins yeah. is like uh, is finding time now to yeah. act again. Um, but it is, it's it's incredible. It's a film that really sticks with you. Um, you leave it kind of. It just kind of washes over you. And I'm still thinking. About, I'm thinking about a lot of the films I saw. But th- that's one where it's like I can't wait to see it again. Mm. I absolutely can't wait to see it again. It's um it's definitely a niche film. It's not going to get a big wide release if it does um i don't think it's gotten purchased yet i do hope it finds a home somewhere because it's absolutely stunning it's a beautiful beautiful film i also want to go to columbus indiana now that's where mike pence is from apparently let's not go there then let's not go there (laughs) at all but the architecture is so pretty architecture didn't change his values did they anyway that's no let's not talk about mike pence it's not the town let's not give him any any, yeah. any. But the town is beautiful. Bullshit. The town is beautiful. The town is beautiful. It is. And the film is beautiful. Yes, and the film is beautiful. Let's just talk about beautiful things. Let's talk about beautiful films. Sun, sunrises. Um, sunshine. Sun. The sky. Rainbows. Rainbows. Puppy dogs. puppy dogs. Water on a flat roof. Anyway, that's the mini bit. That's John's mini Sean dance. There's so no, much more that she could talk so about. There's so much more. There's so much more. And we can could I, be talking can about I have it. Twenty more minutes. No, we could Damn be talking it. for another hour and a half. And if you enjoy it when people talk for another hour and a half, then you can listen to Hoxton movies because they spoke for two hours about well, Sundance and stuff like that. 
We should. Yeah. We should. Why don't we talk for longer? Because content. Um, but we had like I could I could talk for hours. I think people would be very interested in hearing me and you talk for hours. We should mm, poll them. No. We should poll the people. I don't have the time Ugh. to do that. But anyway, we have to go because I got to go watch some films. Me. What films? Well, Triple X, Split. The Lego Batman movie. Well, we've watched those all already. I was trying to make it like we'd done this before, but there we go. That's ruined. Thanks for that, mate. Great work. You're welcome. Work. You're welcome. I'm here. We're part of a team. Teamwork makes the dream it's work. Teamwork fucks it up. It's probably easier to go alone. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this little insight, this little special one talking about Sundance. And if you want to go next year, when do you start volunteering? Um applications will open in September for new volunteers hit me up if you want to learn about it I can tell you all the things okay sweet so this was a special 405 film podcast with Picture House Central shout out to them as always and we'll be back in a certain amount of days time with our regular scheduled programming talking about films Netflix and more yeah this has been a good shard dance it's been a good shard dance cut a little short but you know whatever <laughs> such bitterness in your eyes anyway thank you Sean Melton thank you Adam Lubinati Roach <sighs> we're now going to go watch those films we haven't seen them yet definitely haven't seen them because we're playing this all so well in advance okay love you guys bye if you're at Sundance make sure you tweet what you saw to us at the 405 film and yes goodbye was the 405 Film Podcast with Sean Dance Mountain and Adam Lubinati Roach. As always, this podcast was created in partnership with our pals Picture House Central. The podcast... What? This podcast is produced by Sean Melton. Oh. Are, wait, let me just start over there. Be our friends on Twitter. No, Follow us at the 405 Film. Up. I messed up. Subscribe to us on iTunes and remember to share the podcast with your friends. Fun fact... Oh, this is a good one. Terminal C at Newark Airport does not have Cheetos at all. Or Doritos. Or Hershey's chocolate bars. Three companies that we wouldn't mind sending us free stuff.